Uh, hey guys, this is Jake. Welcome to the show. Uh, this week I have a guest who I enjoy quite a bit, who is an anthropologist and comedy booker and pal of mine who uh, has an amazing brain and uh, always has something really interesting to say about, you know, comedy, drama, art, all sorts of weird stuff. Um, I just uh, wanted to put a little bumper up here at the beginning to let you know that um, the sound is pretty good on this episode, but something I've heard some complaints about is that... Uh, Sometimes we have to double up on mics, like somebody gets left out and you can't hear them that well. Alex Patak is a little bit like uh, low on this episode. Um, I caught it after we recorded it. It kind of sucks. But the good news is, um, well, the bad news is this all happened because I fucked up one of my mic cords somehow, like I'm Henry Rollins or something. Um, but I fixed it. Um, I'm going to buy a bunch of new gear and get the sound way, 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 way better, way fixed on uh, upcoming episodes, and I fixed it with money that we made on Patreon, uh, so thank you very much if you donate to the show, um, if you're interested in bonus content, uh, and you do not subscribe, find us on patreon.com slash poddamnamerica, throw in some money, and you'll get behind the paywall, and you'll get all sorts of free stuff, uh, bonus episodes, um, you know, whatever, uh, so yeah, thank you very much for donating, and um, enjoy the show. Lock them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Time to rap. Oh, okay. Um, uh, break it down. Break it down. Shake it, it down. Shake it down. Uh, nope, not doing that. Uh, let's That's, start over. Use it. I was like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> All right, look, there's Sometimes no way to start to the push show. People. Sometimes you have to push artists. Yeah. Everyone shut up. This is Pod Damn America. Welcome to the show. My name is Jake Flores. I have with me Raghav Meta. Hey, what's up? Alex Patak. Hi, what's up? And our guest... The very uh, one and only Luisa Diaz. The very one and only. I can I- introduce somebody to save my fucking life. Thanks for having me, Jake. Yeah, welcome to my haunted home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. What do we get into? We don't have a big plan this week. I got one big thing I want to talk about. Uh, before we get into that, a bunch of bullshit's happening. Mitt Romney was interviewed today and said his favorite meat is hot dog. That's pretty fucking cool. He also enjoys hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hamburger is up with hot dogs. Some some people say, what about steak? <laughs> but I like hot dog. This is like word for word. I prefer what hot dog. And, and, his, and his favorite restaurant is McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I enjoy human food. Yeah. Just whatever humans eat. So Mitt Romney's brain is broken. That's pretty fun. Um Another uh, breaking story today is that DJ Khaled doesn't eat pussy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was an interview. I'll play it here in a second. Um, but basically, he was doing some weird interview where somehow the topic of somehow it took this long for someone to ask DJ Khaled if he eats pussy. This was about Palestine again. Uh huh. <laughs> um, it was. About, they, they were talking about DACA. And, you, know, you know how things go. Fathering tips. It's what he's teaching his son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, says he doesn't eat the box. 
but his wife should perform oral because he's the king. Right. Is the way he phrased it. Right, right. Because he's a very sensitive man. I was waiting for that to work out as an analogy. Like, the king doesn't sit on a box, so I can't. <laughs> I don't do the box. This yeah. is also another fun idea would be if it's normally every dad teaches their son how to eat pussy. Uh, and then he was like, actually, not for us. We're kings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not terrible. in this castle. <laughs> I made love. I made love. Oh, okay. Um, to my lady, uh, on a private island, jumped off the jet skis. You know what I'm saying? It was just a private island. I had to put that work in. Let her know. Don't ever play yourself. You know what I'm saying? Play with yourself, but don't ever play yourself. You know what I'm saying? Do you guys use toys? Damn, yo. It's Freaky Freaky too, Friday, Khaled. Nah, listen, I don't, I don't be into all that. No, I'm, yeah, so I'm straight. Now, Charlamagne licks booty. Do you lick booty? Hell no. Finger licking. <laughs> nah, I can't, my boy. Come body. on, man. You OG from the south. Nah, Come nah, on, listen. Man. I just, there's certain things I just don't do. You know what I'm saying? I believe, I believe, you gotta understand. I believe a woman should um praise the man, you know, the king. You know, if you if you hold it down for, for your woman, I feel like the woman should praise. And, and the man should praise the queen, but you know, my way of praising is called <laughs> how was dinner? Um, you like the house you living in? You like all them clothes you getting? I'm taking care of your family. I'm taking care of my family. You know, putting in the work. So you're saying like, you don't go down? Nah, never. All of that to say you don't go down? Come Cal- on. You eat the box? Come nah, on, Khaled. Oh, you don't eat no nah. I thought Cal- that's what nah. hold you down was about. We expected better from you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it, that was from DJ Khaled's Mark Maron interview where he says he doesn't eat pussy. It's <laughs> funny looking at their recording setup for that conversation <laughs> and then our recording setup. <laughs> yeah, oh, the br- Breakfast Club is wild. <laughs> wild things happen on that show. Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited he said it out loud because I actually think uh, a lot more men than you would think have that policy and believe that. Okay, so this kind of gives like guys time to what Like he said it because he thinks it's okay today. to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And like... I am not surprised at all because if you look at like old videos of him, I mean his his persona is this weird fucking. I mean it's a lot of this shit is just thematic in hip hop. It's this weird like I'm the king, fucking <laughs> like uh, old school like male dominated sort of like very uh, patriarchal thing, you know. And he's got these old videos where he's just there's a video where he's just like throwing stacks of dollar bills at women and just going <laughs> like you loyal, you beautiful. <laughs> You loyal. Take this money. Put it in your savings account. Buy yourself some uh, salted plums. Like, just lifting, listing off crazy shit you can do with this money, right? I wish he would throw a stack of dollars at me. <laughs> I'm loyal. Remember when he was like a Snapchat hero for two weeks? Well, and it, it's And weird. then he'd be like, I'm on a yacht, and the moon is nice. And that would be like, oh, epic. <laughs> Key it, emoji. <laughs> yeah. It's Who's weird. going for the moon? That he mentioned in that video, he was like something about being on a jet ski. Like he'll ride a jet ski to a woman across a fucking sea and then not eat her pussy. Yeah, and just to get his dick sucked. Yeah, <laughs> but it's funny that he mentioned that because when he was on Snapchat for a while, there was this day that was really good where he was lost in Miami off the coast of on, the, the on a jet <laughs> ski, and he's taking Snapchat videos really? of it, which are selfies, so you can see yeah. my like the the seat like the coastline behind him in and his he own video. Know how to get back? And he's like, "Update! I still don't know how to get back." <laughs> 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 the entire time. It's he's there. 
there, it's DJ. Right it's there. <laughs> He's like listening to the Miami song for clues. <laughs> <laughs> The heat is on. The heat is on. It's almost like I've only heard like a few open mic comics mostly talk about not eating pussy, and it's almost it seems like a magic superstition type thing. (laughs) Like they think it will sap their power. Right. So there's that. There's like weird proud boy no fap shit. But then there's also like this old school thing where it's like because he was just saying like no I'm straight I don't eat pussy I'm straight but like. (laughs) What do you like? What? What does that the, mean? The gayest thing you can do is not eat pussy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, uh, you know? It is nice of gay men to eat pussies. <laughs> they don't want to be doing it. Yeah, we're all heroes. But they're kind. They're kind. So quiet. Yeah, well, it didn't go yeah. into the mic. He's the only one that can hear it. I can hear it, so yeah. I don't I don't know. Anyway, that's him throwing <laughs> money at a woman and saying, like, you know, I will not eat your pussy, but here's some money. I'm the king, you know, like, uh, and he keeps saying, you loyal. So I'm it's like, loyal. you know, <laughs> this guy was, a, like, a misogynist, right? No one thought he was smart. That's, that's what's like. Right. Look, he's into building communities, giving out money, starting from the ground up. Yeah. Nobody's eating pussies because they're all out building <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of my thing with hip hop, I guess, is like it's more conservative than we really give it credit for. Like, uh, You mean conservative because they don't eat pussy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, well, it's hyper-capitalist. Or, like, yeah. Yeah. patriarchal and stuff. That's it's patriarchal yeah. and hyper-capitalist. And capitalist, right, right, right. Like, I guess those are the two main things, you right, know? Right, right. It's like the how much, how much you get paid argument Yeah. is from hip-hop, and now it's just loose in the streets, you know? <laughs> yeah. But um, also, the hip-hop is just taking cues from mainstream pop music anyway, too. Right. It's, well, you know, art is yeah. not art downstream from... Or it's it's the it's the mirror at the end of all of politics. I think you know? Nixon's behind it. <laughs> <laughs> I think Cynthia it might be Nixon. Just like uh, you know, all this idea of people talking more about toxic masculinity and all this shit has m- just made it more so that it's less okay to say these things. Like I I think there are still ideas that circulate, right? There's still gonna be people who believe this who will tell their girlfriends, "I don't do that," or "I only do that after I say I love you," or some bullshit like that, yeah. right? So I think it's more like. Uh, it's not okay anymore to ad- outwardly be like, this is what being a man is, and then people are going to disagree with you now publicly, and it's pretty funny to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely funny. Like, yeah. it's a hoot, but it's like the... <laughs> Dude, because the there's got to be people out there right now, dudes like, oh, shit, people are mad at COVID. <laughs> like, surprised. <laughs> Which is the person that I can't stop laughing at. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like, because in... Well, now people are reacting to it, and they're reacting to it all at once, yeah. so it's like, they'll still keep saying this shit, but they're right. not going to get away with in the way, like I was listening to DMS, DMX, like I do, mm-hmm. who's notoriously homophobic, and so everyone bad. knows that now. But he like, also can't use the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he doesn't know how to use the internet. And once tried to uh, pretend he was an FBI agent. Yeah, no way, uh, yeah. really. He's been in and out of jail because he buys like sixty pit bulls, forgets he has them, and then the cops uh-huh. find empty rooms full of sixty pit bulls. <laughs> yeah. He has an insane rap sheet. But oh my gosh. I was listening to Where the Hood At, which was a very popular song. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Heard it all the time. <laughs> right. Always <laughs> associated with like tough guys, and this is these are some of the lyrics from it. Is how are you gonna explain fucking a man? Even if we squash the beef, I ain't touching your hand. I don't buck with chumps for those <laughs> to bend to jail. That's the cat with the Kool-Aid on his lips and pumps. 
I don't fuck with niggas because they think they're broads. <laughs> that's just in the middle it's of this so song. It's so wrong and weird. And yeah, that's yeah, like, like on like the radio. Actually ra- wrong. Like uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was on the radio yeah. all the time. Yeah, but you know what I would counter with is uh, Outkast. I fucking love Outkast. Yeah. Uh, Outkast is wonderful, happy music, right? Yeah, Tra- yeah. Generally, they have some fucking bombs about women in there. Like full songs about women being bitches and I should kill you and stuff oh, like absolutely. that. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Like yeah. Big uh, boy's crazy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's fucking. Well, uh, yeah. even when Andre's being a romantic, he's still kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, emo was happening around the same time as right. like a lot of this music, and it's the same shit. It's just dorky guitar, you know, right. wanking I mean, about how evil your ex girlfriend is for whatever reason. Right. Know? I was just talking about this with someone, and like all the songs are about their evil ex girlfriends and how wrong they were. And then after the Me Too movie, that guy from Brand New was like a pedophile. Oh, or shit. He was like he was uh, cybering with like a 15 year old fan. Whoa! And would oh, like right, yeah, this it. came out. It's a frontman yeah. of brand new. This is like 2005, so this mm. is earlyish cybering. And uh, he's like asking her to pose in certain ways, when and then like had sex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Had sex with her after <laughs> she turned 18, and then she like wrote this big thing about it. It's how she was essentially abused by Jesse Lacey. It's like. All these guys deserved it, and they were all sad. And here I was, like, 15 years old, feeling really sorry identifying. for Really identifying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Being like, uh. Oh, but yeah. wrote a song about it. Dude, but country the music. The song is a trick, you know? Yeah. You yeah. 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 Everybody believe you're crazy shit. Like, <laughs> make art. No, I just thought they were really great guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's almost as if, um, you know, people that make music that's great, it's not correlated at all with their character, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I wouldn't call some of that music great. <laughs> but, but some shit, like, we keep, like, every time some person gets taken down, we're like, but how? Because they made this song I like. And, yeah. you know, their, like, level of creativity maybe isn't correlated <laughs> at all with whether they're a cool Ooh, person. Bega, but he wrote Mambo number five. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, yeah. if, so if, like... If these things were correlated at all, if there was like a causal relationship, then Lou Bega would be like a great person, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. he made shitty music or something. Because <laughs> he made shitty music. See, I think, I don't know. I disagree with the whole idea of separating the art from the artist. And this is like, sorry. No, no go ahead. <laughs> but this is as an anthropologist. I can't like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, um, I basically have studied um, culture through the lens of artists, right? For all of my schooling career and after. And uh, to me, what is key and important about artists is that you can look at any period of time in any culture and look at the art that A, was being consumed at that time and B, was being created at that time because that's not the same. Sometimes they're consuming from the past, right? right? Um, And that will give you the window into both the like mores and beliefs and values of society and of the individual creator, right? Because you chose to pass on this message to whatever. And there's different layers to different arts and how they, you know, come out and how they affect society. But I think um, you can't separate the one from the other. Instead, I think that we have to realize that the problem is within us and right. idolizing the artists. The culture is a mirror that shows us, like, yeah. what we're thinking about. And if we like something and then it turns out to be made by a shithead, then it's like, well, maybe we liked a shithead because we identified with them. Oh, yeah, which is fine. It's shitty. fine. It doesn't make you guilty, which I think is what people think, is well, that it means I liked this horrible person and therefore I, I co-signed it or whatever the fuck. Well, you know what I think that is? I think it is uh, people... 
now because we have like social media mm-hmm. are brands and not people who are yeah. like able to make mistakes now it's your if you make one fucking mistake you're held up to the standard of like everyone because else it, because the lens is so big and everybody has a voice and all that shit yeah and everyone's trying yeah. to get famous like yeah. yeah like normal people are still you know participating in this weird system in that way or whatever yeah and that's bad people should just be able to fuck up i don't know i i just feel like dj khaled should eat pussy (laughs) and that he's selling himself short and us as a society short by going on the record against it right do you think when we listen to his music on some level like unconsciously we're like yeah not eating pussy is great that's what the song's about i think society is maybe co-signing it you know Mm -hmm. um but also that the responsible thing to do would be to round up a posse grab dj khaled and then force him to eat pussy (laughs) (laughs) way to turn patriarchy on patriarchy yeah just forced rape is the way to (laughs) 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 got it i mean as opposed to 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 friendly we'll be raping well he's the king so it's you know it's yeah. like uh that's what happens yeah. to the king it's regicide it's yeah yeah <laughs> it's a guillotine but yeah it, you know there's a bunch well, of dicks in the basket that his head falls into the thing too is like the crown is so heavy and it's already pushing your head down there <laughs> <laughs> and the f- funny mental image that he would keep the crown on while <laughs> doing it <laughs> but why not um you know is i would say to the, <laughs> to the previous thing i think we really got to consider that instead of having to trying to separate the art artists from the art you know all the people trying to save woody and say whatever um we should consider separating the art from our personal experiences sure because that's what it is is we wrap our own narratives around like how old we were when this touched a point in, in, in our hearts and whatever the shit you know um and we start to place these artists in the m- in the timeline of your own history and so when they fall, you can't help but take it personally instead of realizing that that was art that you consumed at that time that brought you certain joy and that you can revisit still. Just maybe probably try not to give them money <laughs> or like, yeah, you know, right. actively support this. I mean, but even if you did, I don't know what to tell you. I think capitalism is a whole evil thing and well, that's people are going to make money. So another <laughs> level to it, which is yeah, like exactly. uh, it's a whole other level. under capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> It's pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's like it's no coincidence that like with the drastic decline. I'm a pussy freegan. Oh, <laughs> only eat if it's free. You should. You should preferably preferably be a freegan. Like yeah. it's no it's no coincidence that like the, the backing on what you said is the decline of American Empire directly coincides with the rise of superhero movies and widespread cultural hero worship. Like yeah. mm. everywhere, from everyone from like. Uh, Barack Obama, Kanye, uh, fucking Steve Jobs, LeBron James, like yeah. all those people. Oh, Elon Lucy Musk. And all those people had. Have you guys read Dune? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the mob yeah. deep. Yeah? Here we go. Oh my God. Hi. Yes. Well, the whole thing, and this is what I, I get drunk and I annoy people about, but yeah. literally, Dune is everything in terms of this conversation. Because people mostly think of Dune as the first book, which is the movie, which I've never seen. I'm going to see it. Nobody yell at me. Um, But the first movie is, I mean, the first book is specifically about the creation of a hero. It's about the underdog fighting the empire and, you know, fighting for the little guy, guy, etc. So, of course, Americans made a movie about it because we love to make heroes, right? But the guy that wrote it wrote like seven books that span 3,000 years, okay? Mm -hmm. And the second book is about like 
the now this hero that crea we created in the first book is in power. So now what happens when you're actually in power? How do you exercise power? How does the people respond to having an idol be their leader, all of this shit? And it was all an allegory for JFK, right? For the Camelot and the fact that because that was print media time that when they were making uh, famous presidents for the first time ever and putting them on, you know, on like covers of shit and oh, how handsome is JFK and blah, blah, blah. Um, you mean they didn't do that with Taft? No. Oh. Dude, I think there's they like... They would have if they could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't, he, his picture couldn't fit on the dollar. <laughs> yeah. Just a mechanical limitation. He's the eye in the pyramid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I forgot what I was saying. I uh, you're talking about Dune and how that relates oh, to like, this hero oh. worship thing. Well, yeah. So, point is, is um, I think it goes back to the beginning of America. Like, it's not even of televising or of social media. You know, I don't know. I think the reason you reached out to me was because of Twitter, because I was, like, totally okay. going crazy. Yeah, <laughs> to get to the main event here, just to, <laughs> to tie this into what we're talking yeah. about, is because I think um, I, I really liked what you were writing online about Kanye the day he went crazy and no one knew what to do with it. The, most recently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> West. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yes, he's in the news. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because, uh, so uh, he's a MAGA guy now and he's hanging <laughs> out with Trump and he took a picture wearing a MAGA right. hat and, you know, he released a crazy poopity scoopity song and like, everyone's like, what's happening? Oh my God, he's in the sunken place or whatever. And I right. thought, well, this is, I kind of think that it, it's really funny that people would go like, well, he's suddenly changed all of his ways. Whereas right. I see like, this is like a natural extension to what he's been talking about this whole fucking time. Right. Um, what do you think about that? Were you going to say something? <laughs> I was going to, well, I just feel like th there, this is such a broad conversation. Maybe we need to break it down into smaller parts and we'll get there. And I yeah. think the beginning of uh, this most recent uh, 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 revelation, Kanye-wise, is the, the poop-de-scoop-de-scoop. <laughs> <laughs> Where he says he's going to spit fire bars. And it's in the song. It's not a long song. There's like a there's a there's a sample that's playing, and you're like, oh, this is gonna be a good one. And then it's just poop dee dee scoop 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 dee woop dee poop. Which I've heard. <laughs> I, I was on the show last Fancy. week that was playing it as a joke, like over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And it's grown on me because like <laughs> the beginning is really the good. good. It's really <laughs> good. The sample's strong, and you could tell he was like gonna do a verse, and then was just like, actually. I don't care anymore without <laughs> 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 bullshit, which is kind of interesting you can do if you have enough money it's and like power. Troll and Ebro, yeah. and it's called Lift Yourself, right. too. Yeah. Uh, did you want to say something? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I was also thinking about breaking it in smaller parts, but in, like, less funny, more well, annoying, brainy parts. <laughs> <laughs> I have so from a piece about Kanye. Yeah, I read that it. might be able to yeah. go for it. So Give us an uh, example. <laughs> from Jason Green, who writes for Pitchfork and blah, 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 Pitchfork. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's very good. Uh, it's called Kanye West and Why the Myth of Genius Must Die. Uh, so to believe in genius is to believe in saviors. It is, uh, it is to lie in wait for cult leaders to arise. Elevating geniuses automatically subjugates the rest of us. At what point do we cease recognizing genius and start diagnosing it? There will be no Kanye album good enough to wash, the, wash out the taste of the last two weeks. Their circumstances are too ugly. The human stakes too high. When you've worn a MAGA hat and suggested 400 years of slavery represents a choice. No matter your intentions, there are no clear paths back to grace. He has chased the myth of his own genius to its logical end, exile. 
and geniuses tend to die alone and unhappy, so let's uh. kill genius, please. Which kind of uh, ties into the whole hero worship theme we okay. discussed earlier. So I got something on that, which nice. is that the reason that I think I it's so like yeah. so obvious that mm-hmm. of course he would turn around to be a Trump guy if he was the if he was going to naturally take like what he's doing to its logical extent, its logical conclusion, which most people just aren't really going to do, is uh, that he like. He kind of sells the same thing that Trump sells, you know, and uh, most Lamborghini like, Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> most like liberal culture kind of does, which is, you know, tr- Trump sells you a steak and he sells you a fucking fake university. But the 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 tagline for everything is and so can you like I got rich and so can you. And Kanye is this guy who makes this music that like it's fun to listen to on the way to a job interview. You know, it's like pumping you up and it's all about this guy like climbing and, and you know, sort of uh, uh, hoarding power and money and winning and against all odds and all this shit. And the whole time the fucking tagline is and so can you. I His mean, that's philosophy is very like classical Republican. It's like I am a great person who has overcome all the odds and I'm watching you all from above. And uh, I deserve to make all the decisions yeah. because I've done it. I'm great. And that's different from the American dream, how? Huh? It's not. I, it's not. No. Right. It is. It's like part <laughs> of the same structure. Yeah. But that's why, like, we love him or whatever. And it does get you, like, pumped up. Right. To exactly. It that's you why get he's to be idol. him in mm-hmm. the song, but yeah. then you're not, you don't get to later, which is yeah. unfair. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I would tell you that just in listening to that quote and even you talking, Jake. There are so many, um, I think people misunderstand, like, the idea of narratives or meta-narratives. Sure, 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 yeah. There's so many narratives that are constantly operating up on all of us, right? And obviously to a different degree, depending on, like, your race, your background, how you were raised, what part of the country, what languages you speak, what religion you were raised, all that shit, right? Everything has a different one. But in talking about Kanye and talking about geniuses and all that stuff, you hear some common ones coming up, right? Which are... Number one, um, genius as sickness or psychological disease, right? And as, you know, social cancer, that kind of idea. Um, Capitalism as this being the natural course of capitalists is to be selfish and not care about the people around them and proceed down that path. Um, The American dream and individualism and self-realization of he brought himself from wherever to be this thing and he can say whatever he wants and he has all his new freedom of being a new class, right? Um, there, there's just a lot of, a lot of people are hanging on to one of those things as the reason that they think, you know, Kanye is doing this. The other one is that he's a brilliant advertiser, you know, that this is all like a clever ploy. The Andy Kaufman defense of everything bad ever. Yeah, like he totally planned this and, you know, whatever. Um, when in reality, I think it's, um, all these different things are operating on him. And one of the problems, I think this is what I was tweeting about. One of the problems of individualism, right, or I should say of modernity is individualism. And individualism is a problem because it goes counter to the idea of the whole, right? Yeah. And the more you see, the, the funny thing is that the individual was invented probably like 400 years ago, something like that, after the Enlightenment. Mm-hmm. It was the way that um, the French basically thought up the idea that they would create an individual as 
um, a counterpart to the citizen. So the citizen becomes the public figure that follows the rules of the land, obeys their leader, etc., pays their taxes, and then privately you could be an individual and do whatever you want and pray to whatever god and we're not going to tell you anything. And this would be the way to end religious wars, right? But that actually was the beginning of like the first fracturing of the human psyche. If you look back, there's like psychology doesn't really is not really anything that existed before that, before those thoughts were put out by the French. Um, serial killers are not really documented. Um, all sadism. Right. Um, all these, for the first time, humans were giving the permission to go be, you don't have to do what your dad does. You don't have to pray to the God that your mom prays to. You don't have to fuck whoever you were told you were supposed to fuck. You understand me? Sure. So it was the beginning, but it was still hidden. It was still, you're supposed to keep it private and in public be a citizen that is respectable under all our rules, right? Yeah. But the problem is that just like our constitution because so after the french came up with that obviously everybody knows thomas jefferson went over to the french when he was dealing with all the american stuff and it was weird because the confluence of those two pe those two worlds meeting created the american dream like jefferson was like oh this all sounds like brilliant stuff of like individual power against the crown and etc but we're also going to add narratives of freedom of rights, like all the shit of uh, dreams. <laughs> that was all America, baby. Yeah. <laughs> like where you're like, this is, we're totally gonna wrap it around individualism. That's why we deserve to fight Britain and blah, 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 and keep our land. But all these people were picturing this as a new privilege only for white men, in some cases specifically landowning men or specifically men of a particular class, you know? Yeah. And then as they went around the world spreading their fucking patriarchy and capitalism and organization and these ideas of their individuals, they get to be poets and artists and dandies and fucking all these weird things that the lower classes were just like, I'm a farmer because all my grandparents were farmers for the whole entire <laughs> like lineage forever. What do you I'd mean? I'd like to be a dandy, but I right. have to eat mud. Yeah, <laughs> and I have no teeth. Yeah, exactly. It's like I can't terrible. even chew the yeah. mud. So I think what's wonderful about now and why I am enjoying this Kanye situation is because to me, uh, what is happening is now we're seeing more because of social media and because of the, just the spread of ideas more. What's happening is those ideas of individualism have bled out for probably a couple of generations already into the, the not privileged classes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so now, um, and I will tell you, those of us who are first generation immigrants, right? They're first generation Americans. What up? Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a bunch of us that- um, Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, yeah, we were new. It was never intended for us. It was, we're here and I grew up with ideas of I can be whatever I want and I can say whatever I want and I can have reproductive rights and all this bullshit that I literally only heard because I came here and was raised under a different culture than my mother was, yeah. right? And um, those ideas started to spread and more of us are demanding like, not just rights and all this shit, but to label ourselves <laughs> to what we're gonna be called and how we should be addressed and all this kind of shit. And the, it is causing a social problem, right? Because it's um, breaking the previous social order. Right. Now all the people that were in power that could grab ass, that could say horrible shit about poor people and racism and, and you know, whatever. Um, they're not getting away with it as much because now there's more voices that are being like, oh, I also deserve to be heard. You know what I mean? Okay. So the extreme of that is that for the first time we are seeing, or like, you know, the oldest one that I can think of is OJ. I, I think the first individual that had the problem of like not fitting into his society was Nietzsche. 
Right, that's why everybody hates him now. The He's original OJ. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly, totally. Thought. He fucking rejected all his. Pri- he was a fucking dick. Uh, it doesn't mean his idea. Whatever. I'm not gonna get into it. But he's like, I didn't kill God. <laughs> he, he killed right. his wife. But like OJ, exactly. OJ was somebody who literally said, "I'm not black. I'm OJ." In the sense of like, it's true. He didn't see that the rules that applied to black people applied to him. He didn't identify with their plight. His path to individualism and being successful and an American and whatever was to be OJ and forget all the responsibility of quote-unquote his people and wh- where he came from and all this shit. You, you understand me? Yeah, yeah. He has the God morality. Yeah. You know, he's transcended society's rules. Right. And I'm not saying that necessarily means that you go and do horrible shit like murder and whatever, but it does mean that you misstep in the sense of, you know, caring mostly about yourself and what you want. Right. I don't know, which is I harsh to call murder a misstep, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so I, I agree. I guess yeah. I, my main gripe with um, yeah. what's going on is that I tend to see that like society as like if you're in the black community and you have like someone who rises up like an oj or a kanye they offer you that sort of instead of some sort of collective good that would actually help everyone there's this narrative of like he'll help all of you up or whatever and that's kind of like a byproduct of our uh you know our dorky fucking individualistic free market right but that's totally culture because look i would tell you that white men didn't they've been rich for several hundreds of years right like some white men right I also think it's unfair. They didn't really do that much to help other white men. It benefited them to have white men in the lower classes that made it seem like it's not about anything. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. which is why I'm like, yeah. we should just stop. Like, we shouldn't extend this bullshit system that didn't work for white people to right. other people. Like, it just should be. Yeah, but it, now we're talking about breaking capitalism. How do we do that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, also, I, I have, like, a peanut butter farm with my friends. <laughs> we all own the farm together. If you buy our peanut butter, yeah, 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 that yeah. will move out so uh, <laughs> richard wolf has a podcast about this about how we should incentivize worker co-ops and it's oh kind of cool but it, there's only like 13 people behind it so that's I, the whole thing. I also kind of agree though that it's not fair when you know this this system that has worked on this level for white people for so long when it finally extends to like a black person or a woman or whatever when they get you know like put through this crazy test and then fuck up at it they're seen as crazy or they're seen as like um or they're they're punished like way harder by the uh, court of public opinion or whatever because like you're literally it's like the first person going into space or something you know you're leaving your community and doing something that's going to drive you kind of crazy right yeah, but I think that that is a function of white privilege, believe it or not. Because here's the thing. Most people are, like, real hazy on white privilege, right? But one of the aspects of white oh, privilege, <laughs> like, on what it means exactly. It. Like, people will throw <laughs> it around as, like, a silly insult. And I don't think – some people take it too crazy harsh. And other people are just, like, not understanding what they're saying. Yeah. But what it really – or an example of what it means is this. And I think it applies to this conversation. Is that for white people of any class, honestly – um, they have for generations existed in a world where they don't have to represent the outgroup, right? right? Where they are by default treated as individuals with rights because they are in a country where that is the m- narrative that they grew up under, right? All the rest of us did not grow up under that narrative. All the rest of us um, have been taught outwardly with words and with actions and with implied narratives and visuals and media and everything that 
What you do reflects badly on Latinos, if you're Latino. Uh, you hear when your mom and your grandma talk about the person who's your race down the street who did something embarrassing again. Uh, you learn when the news says, oh, another black did, et cetera, et cetera. You know that that means, oh shit, my people did this. So you're constantly bombarded and taught that you have to carry this group identity at the same time as you're hearing you get rights and you're an individual and you can be whatever you want if you just work hard enough and pull yourself up by the bootstraps. So non-whites have to grow up with this double-edged thing all the time, right? And so I think what you're speaking to is that most of us hope that when one of us achieves success and status and money, that they do not forget where they came from and that they still, like, we're proud of them because they represent our group. Because after hearing so many bad examples of how we're criminals, how we're thieves, we're illegal, we're whatever. Here's one who's successful, who people listen to, who dresses well, who has a beautiful wife, who lives in a mansion, you know what I mean? And they're, we're proud that you are representing us well, quote unquote, right? So for you to turn around and say I'm not black and horrible things, like I support a person who p literally makes policies that hurt you, that's what hurts, is that you completely forgot where you came from. And it sounds so cliche, but it's like, what about the rest of us? terrible. So now on the other side of that is, you know, no offense, but white people, they have the opposite. They didn't ever grow up with that. They're constantly having to be the individual. And so now you increasingly hear people talking about white people as a group, right? And you increasingly hear white people, usually men, being upset that they're being referred to as part of a group and not all men and not me and uh, I didn't have slaves and I, you know, like very much, I am an individual, I had no part in this as right, though right, right. the entire system didn't benefit you. <laughs> like yeah. as though it wasn't set up for you to succeed. And it's not, it's not your fault any more than it's my fault or anybody else's fault. So that's why I think white privilege is not a weapon word. Like it's just, let's talk about the reality of what we, like the narratives we all grew up under and how they affect real policies and real access to education and medicine and you know lots of things, right? Yeah. Well, I think uh, that would yeah. be great if people used it like that. You know? <laughs> I know, but they, that's what I'm saying. There's also stupid wielders of the word. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, what do we think to example of someone use it, using it uh, incorrectly? Incorrectly? Or like... <laughs> well, look, I'll give you a white guy example. Please. Fucking Elon Musk and this other Bezos idiot. Right? Yeah. They're super rich, and all they can think of is like, I'm going to travel to space. Bezos, Bozo. And I'm gonna wear <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, think about <laughs> how ridiculous the idea is that this man <laughs> is more worried about humanity in like fucking 300 years or some shit than about the poverty directly around, about his workers who are peeing in bottles apparently because they get docked break yeah. time and all this shit. You literally do not care about the people who make you rich, and you are purporting to care about humanity, quote unquote, on some giant scale, so that you can experiment and have rockets and like do whatever. The fuck. What are you doing? That's you not giving a fuck about your people. Well, I think you know? I think the way yeah. they see it is there's going to be mass starvations and yeah. mass deaths, and it's gonna be you They're know in a way black. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be like you know the black plague all over yeah, again, totally. except without the plague maybe. Yeah. And they're gonna be like, well, we're gonna be the ones left, so we're gonna plan right. for that future. But you know, it's like they're. They're saying these things, but like with a wink, wink underneath. Well, yeah. black yeah. plagues matter. Black plagues <laughs> matter. The future is scary, though, because in the like, there have been other examples of extreme inequality in the past, like pharaohs and kings like that. But technology is to such a point that uh, in periods of extreme crisis that could be coming, 
it might just be a mob of people versus one person, but that person will have an army of robots, <laughs> yeah. and it will be yeah. on their side. And that's never yeah. happened before. Yeah. And it's an existential threat to all of us, which is why there's, we're in this weird heating up right. period now where everything's getting slowly worse and worse, but nothing, like, at least in America, like yeah. the safest place you can be globally, uh, you're not put against a wall and your life isn't at threat every day in a lot of the parts of the country and that is going to change and if you don't dictate the social relations now and uh, argue for a better way of living now it's just going to be too late and it's going to be you and the terminator <laughs> whoa are we going down to the bunker now <laughs> <What's happening? laughs> i do have a bunker and i built it in jake's house oh god the windows are falling out of this place yeah, what are you doing a terrible place to <laughs> i have a lot of money of invested in this patreon and it's all going towards the bunker please <laughs> sign up for our patreon uh we need a new security laser complex um, yeah, well, a few blocks are going towards my fucking window. One of my windows fell out, everyone listening. Oh, yeah, uh, sorry. It was terrifying. <laughs> sorry um, to reveal your personal information. <laughs> uh, my Which window? window? That one. It's a plexiglass now. Okay. It looks pretty good. Yeah, that could have killed like somebody. Nothing oh. happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was terrifying. Anyway, uh, we were talking about <laughs> Terminators. Bad examples. Let's go with them, some bad examples. Because Cosby was also a bad example. Look what's fucked up about Cosby before convictions and all this shit. Was Cosby for decades has has turned on his in, Dupe, on pull his up in your group. damn pants yeah. and eat the pudding He's been pot. policing his in group to quote unquote behave in a way that's respectable to the people he actually Respectability politics. Yeah. And just turn continually turned his back now we know on women, especially women of color. Like it's fucking crazy. And for black people and for a lot of people, he was a hero and an idol and like the first representation of a black man who's not a criminal, who has a family, who's a professional, who's like funny and nice on TV. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's tough. It's tough. But interesting to note that black people were willing to turn on him, unlike some others. <laughs> and, and, and you kind of spoke about this earlier before we recorded and the contrast between, uh, to say this very loosely, the black community versus uh, you know, uh, the white community treating Louis C.K. and how resistant they might have been to that, yeah. how resistant they've been to Woody Allen, kind of across the board, really. Um, and it's, but but saying that, there has been, like, contention within the black community about Cosby. Yeah. And there continues to be. No, totally, oh, for sure. Wasn't it, like, Marlon Wayans, like, went on, like, Hot 97 or something? I believe Kanye also defended <laughs> him. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. It was Bill Damon Cosby, Wayans, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 He did it with great word economy, <laughs> which we gotta respect. Yeah, I think Louis C.K. should pull up his pants. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Fair, fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like God. that. You're a great, uh, you're a great man. <laughs> I'm gonna go home now. Um, Jesus. Uh, okay, there, so there is one specific thing he said, which is kind of the big buzzword of the conversation the last few days, and I feel weird talking about it, but maybe you guys have something important, <laughs> which is uh, uh, him going on TMZ and saying black people chose to be slaves oh my for four hundred years. That's crazy. I have seen like of my black friends on Facebook. Like more debate than you'd think there would yeah. be. This yeah. <laughs> but the defenders are being like, he's super smart, and this is all plotted to sell more I was records. I talked to someone whatever. yesterday <laughs> who said she talked to someone who uh, also was black and uh, was defending Kanye, mm -hmm. and uh, their defense was, well, black people didn't choose to be slaves, but they chose to remain slaves. And then my friend <laughs> oh said, my, God. my friend said. 
what what do you mean? And then the other person said, have you ever heard of Harriet Tubman? <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Where do you go from there? <laughs> but do you see them back the to the problem with no access to good education being spread across the classes? But um, it's it's like they know about Harriet Tubman <laughs> and her fighting to stop being a slave. But the fact was slavery like was still going. After that, so that's I how mean, the American dream is a lie every single time. Because it's like, well, you have access to Harriet Tubman. Why don't you pull yourself up by your fucking? Well, you don't have boots. Uh, every neighborhood will have access to Harriet Tubman. <laughs> yeah. you're, see, you're kidding when you say that. Where do we go from there? But I do feel that way. It's like we we can't agree on this simple fucking fact. Like, where do we? Re- how does society move on from this this moment? Like, I know most of us are on the right side for the. I think, right? But uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. Lay something <laughs> down for you. Jake's been pretty quiet the last couple of minutes. <laughs> I know our Patreon subscribers are on the right side. <laughs> Join now, Patreon. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm sorry, I thought you had more. No, no. <laughs> cool. You know, um, so part of the reason that I got into comedy is because con- stand-up is my favorite art form to watch, to analyze artists and society. Right, so that's the main reason I'm watching all of you. All right, we're using the term art loosely, but I yeah, follow you. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's very direct. <laughs> I know. You don't have to guess what they're thinking. Well, they just tell you. Here's the thing, and that's one of the things: is uh, the temporality in art is the sh- in in stand-up or in comedy is the shortest temporality of any other art, and like the longest temporality would be like sculpture. It's part of the reason that everybody hates sculptures now and is trying to take them down, <laughs> is because sculptures take a very long time to make. So you're a sculptor, something happens in society, you have an idea for a sculpture, it takes you fucking two months to get the stone, six months to start carving it, a year until you go place it somewhere. It probably gets placed as- after your death. By the time it's out, it's about an event that already passed. It's a sculpture that just says Kofifi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it just no feels good to have a trade. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know, but it's... Yeah. It's, um, I could do the same thing for societies on a long-term scale for these like wide times, but it's very interesting to see stand-up because then the other thing is like for a painter, for example, they also have a, l- uh, a lot of translation to do because they have to choose colors and symbolism and all this bullshit. And then they put it on a wall and they don't know that forever you're going to look at it and see what they thought they were putting into it. You get me? They can't guarantee that the viewer will translate their message. Whereas you guys, like you said, you're just saying words usually in the the language that you speak, (laughs) audience. And um, so the translation period is shorter for the viewer, quote unquote. It is um, more understood because there's less translation to do. You get immediate feedback, right? So you could ha- something could happen in society today. Get the fuck <laughs> off stage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you usually adjust it and you go to do another set and you make adjustments to get different kind of feedback. And it's this ongoing loop with you reacting to society and society reacting to you Yeah. that I can watch immediately. You understand me? And especially if I've already seen your set and I know your jokes now, I'm more interested in watching the loop with the people and yeah, what's yeah, happening yeah, yeah. and their response to you and your adjustment to their response. You understand me? Uh, but anyway, point is, as a demonstration, I always relate it back to stand-up. Everything that I think about, it's really gross. Um, well, yeah, it's really, it's really bad. <laughs> stand-up comedians before? I know, I know. It's but can I? T- the only reason I started going to stand-up a lot live, I really loved it since I was a kid. But I started going live trying to make friends, thinking that I would make friends with comedy fans. 
and I don't get along with comedy fans. <laughs> and it's because they idolize comedians. Yeah. They become <laughs> fans idiots. of like five and they follow those five around. Sorry, guys. Love the podcast. Please love Jake. Everybody here is great. <laughs> um, but yeah, we don't have the problem of having too many fans <laughs> yet. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah, no, please stay. Don't go anywhere. Don't take it wrong. Um, <laughs> I just mean to say I'm more like a fan of comedy with a big C, like the art. And sure. the only fucking assholes that want to talk about that is comedians. <laughs> so yeah. that's why I ended up talking to comedians because they're the only ones who are like, yeah, did you hear how he changed that tag? And I'm like, yeah, that was interesting, uh. interesting choice. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the way that I relate this Kanye thing back to comics, actually, it really made me think about how a lot of comedians say that they, minority comedians, I should say, or women comedians, they'll often say, I don't want to be seen as a woman comic, I want to be seen as a comic. I am not a black person, I'm a comic first before I'm a black person. That kind of idea, right? Sure, yeah. Pretty common. Um, and I think that that is like the genesis of the Kanye problem, is this idea of wanting to create art that is outside of yourself and separate from yourself. You know what that always reminds me of is when yeah. people are like, I don't see color, I'm colorblind. Yeah, like, it's That's real worse, silly. It's know? very silly. It's To me, it's the equivalent of being like, oh, this person only got booked because they're black. No, they also have a whole different point of view that's different from you. They have a you know a different story to tell, a different yeah. cadence, a different. Uh, they're a different kind of person. I started People doing hear that. comedy in <laughs> yeah. Texas in uh, when I was uh, I just moved to Austin from San Antonio, and every fucking comic in San Antonio was like a really racist, uh, well, a hacky like race race jokey comedian okay. or whatever. And everybody in Austin was real snobby about the fact that uh, they you know. They were like, that's super hacky and stuff. Like and being I kind no of PC about it. And I agreed with them yeah. for a while, but then this thing happened where I started to notice that like Austin was kind of full of these hipster creative types. And mm -hmm. every time a person of color came up, their argument was like, This person's like it's like they're not even doing joke they're like they transcended that and it's like well you what? just it's just a, like a guy with an afro and like a friendly yeah. sweater who's like basically doing jokes that a white person could do yeah. and you're like you like this because it lacks race because the race shit is scary to you so i came all the way back around i was like no tell me about where the fuck you're from just yeah. do it funnier than you know i don't have good credit or whatever and like now i really like people that are like really really you know leaning into their identity because that is part of your perspective. Yeah, just yeah. make it interesting. Make yeah. it fresh. Like, the one thing, another example that, that apps drives me absolute bonkers is I, I have a couple white friends, not Alex, <laughs> uh, but uh, you are my friend, but you... And you are white. You, you are my friend, but you haven't said this, is okay. what I'm trying to say, is uh, we will, I don't know, maybe they'll be, like, talking shit about a comedian who uh, might be, like, a person of color, and they think they're mediocre or something, and you're like, God, if I was... Uh, Muslim, I'd have so many more, so much more material. It's like, well, first of all, you're reducing their identity, yeah. and you're also yeah. assuming that you would have the same exact experience as them, and not assuming they have their own unique relationship with their identity. Yeah. So it's really fucked up you said that. Right, and it, it ties back into that whole thing you were talking about where it's like, you know, if you're a person from a marginalized community, then you are locked into that identity you can't opt out of it and white people are like i'm a regular person or yeah. you're locked yeah. into one interpretation of that identity too yeah, yeah. right Which yeah the white everyone else's yeah. Exactly. yeah there's also kind of a um, unwillingness to recognize where you really are i think the kind of people that say that stuff because they're also not seeing how many fucking mediocre white men Ha are, are on TV, have spots in clubs. Um, so many. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I will, okay. Uh, Why do so many people <laughs> like Jimmy Fallon? <laughs> yes. Howard, there's, there's so many. He still wins awards every mm. year from 
groups of people who okay. see what did, did he's you, doing. I have a thing about this though, and yeah. I don't know. I want to throw Jimmy's this a at great you guy. And see what you <laughs> have to say about it, which is that like I get I get where people are coming from, and they're like, you know, all these these mediocre white guys have yeah. this like path to success, but I think when you don't factor like class into it at all it creates this narrative that's really misleading because like whenever somebody gets a writing job on a tv right. show it's some guy i never fucking heard yeah. of and i look up where he came from it's from harvard. fucking ucb <laughs> yeah. and he got yeah. there after harvard and yeah. it's all this stuff and yet so then we right. we put everything through this lens of like well it's straight white male or whatever yada 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 and so we start like a fucking comedy festival that excludes yeah. uh white male comedians and all you're doing is yelling at some guy named Derek who like is broke as fuck has yeah. the same dream as you you know we should be fighting the fucking UCB yeah, people the power structure I agree I agree with that I'm not a UCB fan I don't do stuff with them but you know I think that to me the onus like it's really fucking weird because you know, I'm an, I sound like the biggest fucking racist. I'm sorry. I don't hate white people. I promise, Alex. Uh, it's okay. I, uh, have a I date them and everything. It's great. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. Uh, uh, fuck, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, what was the thing? Um, I don't know. I was just talking about the UCB thing and the concept of, like, white privilege as for anyone, regardless of class in comedy or whatever. Like, I think it oh, has right. to be intersectional. Okay. okay. Uh, so this otherwise, is, you're just going to have to yell at the This is the irony for me is, you know, speaking from, like, a wider historical lens, right? Outside of, fucking the quote-unquote comedy boom right now, right? The wider historical lens is that white people, European white people, invented this idea of identity and individualism, and they went around through colonialism literally labeling the world, going, hi, you're Indians because we think this is India. Right, right, right. Hi, what? You have what kind of God? No, this is Jesus. You're welcome. You know, like, literally, they changed the name of our countries. Uh, they changed the name of our languages. They changed the name of our gods. And so... They invented identity, right? They, invent, they invented the categories. And while it benefited them, it was fine. It's all working out great. We're not part of those categories. We somehow supersede those categories. And now when we're in a world of people demanding to make their own categories, first of all, they're flipping the fuck out. They're like, oh my God, you're what now? I have to call you what? Why? Who changes their label? Yeah, we don't like the one you gave us 400 years ago. Like, what do you want me to say? Right, this is your Start thing. Right. Yeah, Western exactly. Western civilization <laughs> and all of the pyramids were constructed. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's really, a, like, quite metaphorically um, a turning of the tables that they invented where now we're like, okay, we're playing your game. We're going to categorize everything, but we're going to correct these categories and these labels and, di like, like you said, lean into my identity, right? And be proud of it and show it and talk about it instead of, being the quiet minority that assimilates and you know tries to pretend they're white and not show their not whiteness too much ever right. in public, right? So some comedians are coming up, artists of all kinds are coming up with these different voices that are leaning into their identity. So to me, if I were a white person, the, r the solution is actually to lean into your identity. What actually right, makes that, you different? That doesn't sit right with a lot of people right now. Because yeah. you don't have an identity, maybe. That's, that could be the problem, I think. You know what I mean? No, like, I'm not talking about cultural. Well, I think that's how you get people that are like, well, fuck, all right, I'm now I'm really into being white. And that's no, 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 no. You're, you're mistaking it because I think that comes from the same thought of like, all black comics are talking about being black and they're all talking about being black in the same way. Uh -huh. That's not true at all. It's not true at all. There's all kinds of different black comics who are, have different styles, who talk about different shit, who are goofy, who only talk about food, who talk about historical political problems, who all different kinds of shit. So I don't think we should generalize that all white men would be the same. But the problem is, and I think honestly it's a Booker problem, Right, that they mostly, when they book all white lineups and all male white lineups, 
it is the same type of fucking white guy. And they are talking about the same things, and they are being like, oh, pussy, and uh, whatever. Same tropes, same point of view, and usually no varied class, like you said. Like, it's very all guys, Long Island, Staten Island, uh, Boston, whatever. Well, know, that usually happens because those people are all friends with each other, right? right? And it's nepotism. And, like, all your of, fucking right, dorks exactly. you hang out with. Yeah, so to me, if a booker feels pressure to fucking pay attention to a different voice, it's not only good for comics, but it's good for your fucking lineup. Because here's the problem. You know, I go watch comedy shows. When it's a bunch of white dudes, especially if it's just dudes, people walk out and they go like this. Oh, I really like that one with the hoodie. What is that? Like, uh, the one with the shorts? No, no, not the one with the shorts. The That's one why with you got to say something really offensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. You can't That's, wear the That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you, uh, Jared Freed. You know Jared Freed? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I fucking used to hate Jared Freed. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> uh, like, comedically, he was terrible. And now he's fucking really funny. I really love Jared. And what changed was he's a fucking rich, privileged, uh, Jewish frat guy, sure. whatever. Like, all the worst things. Sorry, Jared. I love you if you ever hear this. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's going to hear this. <laughs> no, yeah, he's going to be fine. But he, one day, I don't know when, he Join just started doing stand-up. <laughs> he started doing stand-up about... Um, getting fat and old and, like, not knowing how to talk to women anymore without, like, the construct of frat situations because he did frat stuff even after being out of college. Like, it was that lame. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so once he leaned into his personality and, like, really talking about the flaws of it and, like, the misconceptions he had and ha the fucked up things that he did over, like, drinking too much. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, you're a different white guy now than this, these, all these white dudes just talking about the same fucking... I smoked weed and blah, blah, blah. You need blah. to be a specific white guy and not a generic white guy? Just have a fucking personality. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, like talk a... And, t and part of that is... Well, it's a basic com a lesson of comedy. You yeah. Know? It's like you can't just fall back on these weird vagaries. Like yeah. you have to... Put showcase your point of view or and your personality. Maybe that's why it's a rule, though. Well, you know. Well, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's what's cool about it as an art form is that it like across the board, everyone kind of uh, learns that and then regards mm -hmm. each other with some sort of camaraderie yeah. because we all learned that thing. You totally. actualize yourself on some level through it. Yeah. Um. So that's cool. I mean, I think it's uh, I do think that's cool, but I do think it's like a problem of not watching each other too. I think that comedy functions way worse in this city than it does yeah. in like a fucking small town. Oh, uh, because in a small town you gotta watch each other. There's only one show. And Is it because all. audience <laughs> comes? Yeah, there's uh, all, so many levels to it. Yeah. There's you are some, more one. of a community. Uh, there's an audience, so the shows actually work. Yeah. So you're not just like competing with each other. You're yeah. like you know, there's an it's, you're all at the level of where you're all working at the fucking store, and there's That's a showtime the show about you. That's the most interesting phenomenon I've seen. I started comedy in New York, and uh, there's a general encouragement that you're not going to get better unless you're grinding, which you know is goes up. There's is something to it, but it does kind of date back to the same kind of uh, ethics you hear in just working, where it's like, if you're not grinding, what are you doing? It's like I'm living my life. <laughs> yeah. um, but live, this this phenomenon happens with the people you see who only spend all their time at open mics because they're grinding, they're trying to get better. They have this phenomenon that I, I sometimes call open mic poisoning, <laughs> which is when you're only trying to pr impress other comedians and yeah. you forget what stand-up is anymore yeah. and like a lot of people here have it where well, you're yeah. yeah that's a big thing that i think sucks in new york and the other thing the main thing is because new york and la are the places where you go to try to do this professionally everyone's point of view gets poisoned by the 
concept of trying to get famous because when you're just trying to like make it to the top of your small scene you in some other place you've got all these other different motivations like um i don't know when i was living in austin i wasn't like you know how do, how do i make the, this joke that's gonna make any tourist laugh or right? i was trying to make a specific thing that i knew i could take to a specific part of town it would work or whatever here but, but here I mean, the the top of this is working at the cellar where it's a bunch of people that, you know, fucking came to New York from all different places. And that's why every comic in Manhattan, every single one has part of their set where they're like, so is anyone on a date here or whatever? Because like there are just you there's a lowest common denominator of material that can work in a random group of people that are all basically tourists. And that kind of sucks. Like. I, I know all these people are trying to get into the cellar right now, and they're like their lives are just getting fucking whittled down to this very basic <laughs> skeleton. And I'm like, you guys are all the same person. You th- like the pursuit of this thing. It's like a pyritic sort of uh, you know thing that burned everything off of you. And you're all you're all single. You all have a sorted dating life. You all <laughs> had to quit drinking. You all live on drink ticket. Like you're the same person. <laughs> yeah, so the there's road. not a plethora <laughs> the of points of well, view you in know, the fucking. I'm totally gonna disagree with you. Not on that last part. Not on the stuff about the cellar. Okay. Well, leave that for a second uh but on the new york stuff um i would tell you i don't i do think that the driving force for comics in la like okay so i watch like nine different cities right uh it's really gross no it's really bad um a series of tubes (laughs) no mostly the internet uh but it's like you do have a series of tubes okay oh yeah that's what the internet is it's just uh like my ponies, you know, like in the morning on my, <laughs> on my, wor- on my way to work, I check the worst way you could describe I check the lineups. <laughs> no, yeah, I check the lineups. I see the ponies who, all die. Who's injured? Who's out due to a relationship problem? Whose alcoholism is flaring up and is probably not going to show up to spots? Um, I see, you know, I watch what shows people are getting booked on because you can see how you're moving through the particular scene in terms of who's booking you, whether it's like first just your friends and for then, you know. Um, so I watch all these, right? And I will tell you that I blatantly judge when people, like I can start to see who's getting to the top of their local scene, wherever, right? And then I'm like, all right, so within the year, they're going to move to either New York or LA, right? And they start doing their visits to New York and LA to see yeah. what they like. And I watch it to see, and I fucking judge the shit out of them if they pick L.A. <laughs> because <laughs> because yeah. to me, I think it's pretty, look, it's fine. It's not a dishonorable choice. It's just not my choice, right? It's not what I respect, <laughs> but it's not dishonorable. It's, I understand, you want to make a living writing or doing something in show business, whatever, being fam- whatever you want to call it, you want the straight path to a paycheck, right? Go to L.A., do that shit. I don't give a fuck. If you come to New York, I think more than usual, the motivation is actually, like, if you think about it, the people that you are thinking in your head are, like, fame grabbers that come to New York usually came from another big middle city. They came from Chicago, (laughs) or they came, you know, like, not to be a dick and call out specific people. (laughs) Are you from Chicago? Sorry. No. No. Okay. Uh, This is usually a stop on the way to L.A., right? Uh, n- for, for those, those people, people? That's yeah, what I'm for yeah. those people, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And for them, I think it's a stop to try to prove that I can get my chops up a little bit. But I think the people who picked New York from their small town or whatever, not middle city, 
um, they specifically came to be better at their craft, to have more opportunity to work on it, to be around people who have the same mindset, and to see the people that they grew up seeing if they give a shit and they watch comedy before they decided to be a comic. It's cr I think it's weird if you didn't, but whatever. Um, <laughs> there are people like that. Sorry, I don't know. That's but weird <laughs> I think it's weird. It uh, is weird. Yeah, if you'd never watched stand-up, right? Isn't it I weird? have a friend who is like pretty successful and has made a point not to watch anyone else's stand-up really because he's like, I don't want it to affect my stand-up. Yeah, that's which the is excuse. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from, but he's also like, he has a joke in his half hour that he does that just like is a joke Kyle Kinane did in 2009. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure I've shown it to him or I've just like told him about yeah. it. And he's like, it's kind of different. It's like, if you just listen to other good comedians, you'd yeah. like it. And then you'd know just to not do yeah. it. But you see, okay, so that's what I mean is a guy like just banging on a guitar, playing it the wrong way, like upside down, like the <laughs> body's out over here, you know. Yeah. And he's just like, no, nah, it's a creative thing. I don't want to know how this works, you know. Yeah. He's working on a puppet that's like a dead jihadist at the moment. <laughs> oh god, there's got a whole it. market for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think the ones that I would consider the greats of comedy. Maybe they aren't the ones that are making fucking million dollar movies or I don't know, whatever, but they are the ones that no matter how much they kill, they get off stage and the first thing they say is, fuck, I fucked up that one tag. Right, <laughs> you right, know, and right, I'm like, yeah. dude, you just did 45 fucking amazing. And they're just like, yeah, but I've been working on that one fucking bit and it's, and it's just I can't make it work. And they're just stuck on how this should be good. And the person you just mentioned that thought doesn't even cross your mind of like, no, I should just have the best set and I shouldn't have anybody even question that I stole their well, joke. Like a you know? true artist is the person who's like in love with their thing to the yeah, extent that they're exactly. never finished and, yeah. you know, they, they don't have the plateau of yeah. like, now I'm done working because I'm rich or whatever. But and like, I think that capitalism and getting famous corrupts this so much, specifically with comedians, because, you know, I came from a town where like everyone was a musician yeah. and... It's not like, you know, if you if you know 9,000 guitarists, they're not all like, well, I'm only good at this if yeah. I get on TV doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm only validated if I get on America's Got Talent. But that's how right. comedians always think because their, their like, path is goes through the entertainment industry apparatus yeah. or whatever. And I think it's really hard. That's the is why everyone quits this shit because yeah. you're, you validate yourself, con like, through capitalism. The, people don't continue to do this because they yeah. truly like it i kind of think i'm there like i kind of think i'm like i don't fucking totally I'm, dude that's I'm where i'm that's where i'm at van, with booking you know yeah, like people keep being like why don't you manage or be an agent or do i try i booked a comedy club i've worked for festivals i've run shows all over the city i've done a bunch of stuff i've worked with agents tv talent casting fucking hate all of it i do not ever like i can't handle it i don't like most industry <laughs> i burn bridges constantly hell yeah me too uh yeah no i know we're similar types jake and <laughs> it is and it is <laughs> you're like give me a call i'm loyal again he's like i'm you loyal my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> i'm loyal yeah yeah <laughs> call back no but honestly it is it is because of this actually so do you know anya uh yeah what's her last name Bowles? yeah yeah uh, she had me on her podcast a while back to talk about this, about I the artist. You listen to that? Yeah. Yeah. This is good. my big point, And it's one of the reasons, again, that I love comics so much, because I, I see that you have picked a very difficult path, right? Which is that what you've chosen to do is try to make a living at your art, right? Because under capitalism, it's like you're not defined as a successful artist unless you can pay the rent with your art, right? Right. Like, you know, there's the day job joke, all of this stuff, right? But... The problem is, 
if you're trying to make a living off of your art, that means you're applying a dollar value to your art. Other people are applying a dollar value to your art. And every time that you don't measure up to that dollar value, it hurts personally because it's a personal failure. It's your art. It's your thing that you worked on, that you're passionate about. Your that Gil didn't. from The Simpsons. You're like, oh, I need yeah. another spot. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to be able to pay the rent. Right. right. in your house in Des Moines. Right. <laughs> Where then there's those of us like me. Uh, I work in museums, right? And uh, I genuinely was like in school and I was like, I don't want to be a fucking professor and I don't want to write books about brown people. So I'm just going to go work in museums and it'll be cool. It'll just be my job to make exhibitions. And literally, I'm, if I make a mistake at work, it's fine. Like, my boss will be like, this is wrong. And I'll be like, okay, I'll fix it on Monday. <laughs> no problem. And I still get to party and my self-esteem is intact. Because I'm very good at my job and I make very few mistakes and it's externalized to me. It's not representative of who I am and my dreams and all this shit, right? It is just a paycheck for me to live my life. And what's happened is when people try to make me work in comedy, I just fucking get furious constantly at the people who are gatekeepers and shouldn't be, you know, like comics make jokes about like, how did this person get this? I also am like, who the fuck gave this person this thing? <laughs> I read those lists and I'm like, oh, pff, bullshit, bullshit. All right, whatever. And it's not even a dick thing to those particular comics. It's to the people who are the gatekeepers. You're not good. You, this isn't a good list. <laughs> you didn't compile a good list. You didn't cast this well. Is you it the gatekeepers, though, or the fact there is a gate is just really annoying? No. Actually, I mean, I don't know what to tell you about that, because a lot of comics, especially older comics, complain, because I listen to, like, older comics podcasts, too. You. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> I know. It's It can get testy. But, um, especially some of those seller guys, but whatever. Uh, they get upset at the internet and the fact that like now you're all out there making your own videos and making your own podcast and you have yeah exactly (laughs) they're like this little guy who i don't fucking know has a hundred thousand followers how the fuck is that been that's all that agents care about now is how many followers you have and i don't fucking have so i don't know you know some of you see it as like there's still some gates that's a problem and but the flow the huge flow of content is also making it so that it's there's more onus on the gatekeepers to fucking sif- sift through it but right. they're not all doing a good job of it and that's what makes me it's mad. a faustian deal kind of like right, i wrote a thing about it in the times one time which is about how yeah. like because we opened it up so much now you can get yeah. a huge thing to happen but, but it doesn't pay an anymore because yeah. now instead yeah. of five people doing a thing in a year exactly there's fucking five thousand exactly it's not really a you know yeah. But uh, like that wouldn't be so annoying if everyone didn't have to try to make a living at it, you know? Well, like so if you don't. That was Jake's that's point. The I think. thing, my big point about this and how I'm fucking whatever, yeah. I've been going down too many weird anarcho tanky holes or whatever, <laughs> is that like art <laughs> doesn't fit holes. into capitalism. Like right, exactly. the ba- the reason we have all these questions and all these problems with it is because that it, it does it will never be regulated enough to where, like, the inherent problem well, we is. We have with a regulated it. model. The Soviets fucking made it state sponsored, right, right, and then they right. gave you food and housing, but you had to make the art they wanted you to make. Yeah, so that's bad <laughs> too. You should just have a life that's yeah. um, sort of guaranteed enough, you know, that in your free time you can make a thing, and that's enough. And it shouldn't have to be this thing that's judged by competitive market. You can also, I think, you know, you could be a fucking crazy outlier that does go way, way far with something, but like. I think just like inherently, you know, creativity is like an expression of your soul on some level. Yeah. Like that should be a part of everyone's life. 
The well, competition but, aspect ruins it. If you've ever yeah. done a festival that they turn into a competition, oh. But I think that's just an externalization of the money thing, too, because it's constantly a, a competition of how many spots do you have and how much money you're making over it, and I don't know. Right, there's yeah. that Mitch Hedberg joke, which mm-hmm. is just like a comedy competition is uh, one person who thinks it's fair and then a lot of people <laughs> who think comedy shouldn't be judged. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's an oversaturated market now and now everyone gets to feel a little bit famous in their own unique way. It's like you have a, tw- you have a tweet that goes yeah. viral, you have a half hour special, but then no one's getting paid. Everyone is still struggling somehow. Right. It's, there's there never been more uh, comedians with TV shows or specials and so few of them are very good. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. maybe you guys disagree with that, no. but that's how I feel. No, I hate uh, comedy. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know. I think it's fine. There's, it's because to me, what I'm also seeing is like more and more, there's people that can name more than three comedians. That's, that's getting somewhere. Well, I think they're, <laughs> they're like also, the good, the good part of this is that to some extent, if, you know, if things get watered down and neutralized this much, yeah. then the people that do continue to do comedy have to be the people that Who actually it. like it. Yeah. Or, are conversely, a lot of money. <laughs> or are just yeah. fucking crazy at this point. There's going to be a few of them hanging around. But that's my point was the people that actually like it. Is the crazies. <laughs> we have all of them. Because they don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, well, it's not going to be really that much different than how music is now, where it's like a lot, of, a lot of your favorite bands had day jobs in the late '30s, and maybe they made it, maybe they didn't. Yeah, can't yeah, we should wrap up soon. Um, Do you remember who was the guy? I can't remember his name. Um, fuck, the head of he was like the CFO or whatever of uh, Bad Boy Records when they first came out. Uh, fuck, shaved head. Oh. Remember who I'm talking about? Uh, Supposedly killed Biggie? Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, Shug Knight. No, not Shug Knight. Not Shug Knight. Oh, no. Death Row. That's uh, Death Row. Fuck. And it doesn't matter. Tupac. But anyway, point is, he was like <laughs> with Diddy when they started all of this, right? And I remember, I read Source Magazine in the 90s. I'm cool. Uh, <laughs> and I remember he did this interview where it was like around the LimeWire and shit time, yeah, you know? Huzzah. Yeah, all of that stuff. And it was, uh, the big thing was like, how are artists going to make money if people are stealing the music on the internet? The right, internet's right. ruining music. Uh, which is funny to now hear people thinking about comedy like that. I'm like, just look back in history, guys. Right. But this is what this dude said. I feel so bad that I can't remember. I keep wanting to say Mace, but it's not Mace. But they asked him, you know, hey, so, you know, Bad Boy is doing great. What do you, what's your uh, – Damon Dash. There we go. Okay. Damon Dash. Uh, yeah. So Damon Dash said, like, was asked, you know, with LimeWire, all this shit going on, what do you think artists should do now? Like, how do you protect your music? How do you make money? What's the future of music and money, et cetera? And Damon Dash said, uh, a real businessman doesn't do business for the world he wishes he lived in. He does business for the world as it is, right? Whoa. So he said, if we can't make money off of selling our records, we make money off of merchandise, off of live performances, off of sponsorships, off of another thing, because we're businessmen and we'll find a way to do it. So notice that that is a clear separation of... You keep making the art, I'll find another way to monetize your art, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what comics don't have because you work alone, right? Right, right, right. But I think that's the only solution. I'm on your side on the camp of, like, I, I can't do comedy for money because I'm furious constantly at other people. Yo, who are I'm falling back peers. in love with the road. I just made a bunch of T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go travel around and fucking sell them rather than do doing it. spots for dick money what or whatever. What do your T-shirts say? I just <laughs> say my name, and there's a picture of a guy uh, with an <laughs> eye patch and a, a bike chain. It sh- I'll show you later. I'll, you, by the way, if you're listening to this, go to my website. I'll have them for sale and shit and, or on Twitter. I was yeah. hoping it would be just like 
you know, you hear about the like road shirts that are just like milkshake it's, dough yeah. or something. It or says shish kebab. Yeah. Shish kebab. <laughs> it's some dumb shit we came up on this podcast. <laughs> Get off that ladder. <laughs> <laughs> Catchphrases you don't use. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, no, I mean on that level, it's, I think it's kind of why I'm like back into it because that yeah. all the things link up and they make it like fulfilling on some level because of that. Um, you know who else made that same argument? I wrote a paper about this in college oh. while it was going on. Yeah. Uh, the band Mindless Self Indulgence was one of <laughs> because they're probably internet dorks at yeah. that time. Where like their quote on it was like, "Yeah, you know, you can either like sink in the tar pit or fucking climb out or whatever." You know. They yeah, man. And if, if you think about it, it's the equivalent of like um, I think you guys all use Twitter fairly, right? You, I know you do a lot. Um, I'm a dick. But no, but there's comics out there who are actually like, I'm not going to fucking give away jokes for free. Uh, yeah, it's like, who the fuck do you think you're yeah, selling them to? It's man? real kind of ridiculous, but it is this idea. That's what they were saying. Like, maybe we give away the songs for free so that you come and see us live, so that you buy our merchandise, so that you pay for our appearances, whatever it may be, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think that comedy's got to learn a little from that, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I saw that happen with music, like, firsthand, yeah. you know, and it was kind of like, oh, okay, all, all these bands now that tour make all their money off merch and live yeah. appearances. So th- and it, it kind of you know, corrected on some level, like, you know, shitty bands that used to just be rich for no reason because <laughs> they were famous 50 years ago. Now yeah. they got a tour again. I just don't think the market corrects them that way. It's a whole other conversation. But, um, but if that's where you're at as a comic and you know that's the deal, that's a pretty all right place to start yeah. from if you know that's the deal and you could not do that if you don't want to or whatever or you could just do anything as a hobby and it's not an indictment of your fucking character if yeah you just like i agree something with that and have a you know another way of making money or whatever yeah. i don't know um all right so we should wrap up because we're a little bit after an hour but um you got you produce them you, you want to plug anything um yeah sure just too many cooks every wednesday at lucky jacks 9 p.m um and we got uptown downtown first tuesday of the month at knitting factory cool anybody else uh, um we just uh booked our next paid protest show the dsa fundraiser yeah. at may day on june 25th may 25th what month is it may, may 25th <laughs> and uh then I have a weekly show at Sing Sing Karaoke Bar on Avenue A and Fifth on Sundays at seven, and you go there, and I dress up and I tell you the news, and then there's stand-up comedy, um, uh, and then my short film's almost done, which I guess you missed the boat on that because that already happened. But you can just message me; I'll send it to you. I'm sorry. Uh, thank you, Alex, for apologizing I to know, me. Right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, I'm starting a new weekly show with my my buds Rohan Padier and Jeff Asmus. It's at uh, Cherry Tree Bar in Park Slope every Thursday, 8 p.m. Uh, so come to that. Otherwise, follow me at ACLU Official. Thanks. Uh, cool. I uh, probably already know this. I'm at Feral Jokes on Twitter. And uh, if you go to my Twitter account, I'm going on tour. I have all my tour dates. Uh, pinned to a tweet. I'm going on tour with Mishka Shubali in about two to three weeks here. Uh, we're going all through the Midwest. Uh, I'm doing a week in Denver, Chicago, Detroit. We're doing a bunch of bars, a bunch of house shows. If you want to come to a house show and I'm coming to your town, just house shows are fun. DM me because I, I can get you into the show that way and shit. Um, I have those t-shirts I talked about. Um, yeah, there's that. And uh, my other podcast is called Mr. Cleo. It's fucking dumb as hell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. All right, do you want to do a rap? Oh, all right, all right, all right. Somebody lay me a beat, beat, a beat, a beat, a beat. I'm, a, I'm feeling, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the <laughs> rhythm. 